Shalom from Jerusalem, and welcome to our Exploits Ministry Center, coming from the very heart of the noisy, boisterous, and colorful old city. I'm Christine Darg, and today's program, I've got a very special message that I want to bring to you that I preached not too long ago, right here in the open air, under a tent at the fountain just inside Jaffa Gate which I call the front door of Jerusalem, where our ministry center is located. In this program, I will use the Hebrew name Yeshua interchangeably with the English equivalent Jesus, so you will know exactly who I'm talking about. Was Jesus the Messiah? Was Yeshua, in fact, the Son of God? The good news is that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power, through the resurrection of the dead. But for the more skeptical who may be viewing this program, I want you to know that the historic gospel records record that Jesus did actually testify under oath exactly who he is. And Jesus, we know, was no liar. As a matter of fact, Jesus stood in his hometown of Nazareth and said, which one of you ever saw me commit a sin? And nobody could say a word. He was sinless. He was and is the Son of God. Look at his tenderness, his love, his selflessness. Jesus never performed a miracle for himself. In his death, he actually said to his torturers in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And think about this, the disciples who lived closely with Yeshua for three years, after so much time up close and personal, they testified in the gospel records that at no time was there ever any deceit nor guile upon his lips. I know my husband, my family and friends could not say that about me, even over a three-year period of time, if they watched my every move and listened to my every conversation. And I'm sure you're honest enough to know that your family and associates could not say your words and actions have always been perfect. But Jesus' words were true and without guile. That's what his closest disciples said. And in this program, I will show you that Yeshua testified under oath as to exactly who he is. Awesome. When Jesus was tried before the high priest of this nation, Israel, at the Supreme Court, their court was called the Sanhedrin, Yeshua the HaMashiach confirmed by oath the validity of his title and claims. Let's look at the two references to this incident in the Gospels. First, from Matthew chapter 26. Jesus has just been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and those who seized Jesus led him away to the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, where all of the scribes and the elders had been gathered in a hastily trumped-up trial. And all sorts of false charges were brought against him. But, the record tells us here in Matthew, Jesus kept silent. You see, up to this time, 
he is not speaking up nor defending himself. But now let's look at verse 63. You can sense that the high priest has become very impatient with the silent Jesus, with the silent man on trial. So, quote, in verse 63, the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And now Jesus speaks up. He said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. So here in Matthew chapter 26, it's very clear that the high priest Caiaphas, the top religious leader of the day, put Jesus upon a solemn oath, making him obligated to answer. It was just like in our courtrooms today, being asked to put your right hand upon the Holy Bible and promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Our Lord had no ethical escape but to bear witness that would be used against him. So the solemn moment arrived. Now in the middle of the night, he stands before Caiaphas, the high priest of the law. Caiaphas was, as high priest up to that moment, the legitimate custodian of the pure doctrine in Israel. So with a loud voice in front of the council of the elders and the leaders, Caiaphas demands, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us if you are the Messiah. And Caiaphas said, the Son of God. Now, first of all, I want to point out that to adjure means to exact an oath, to demand an oath. The Amplified Bible translates this passage this way. I call upon you to swear by the living God and tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. So everyone at this hastily trumped up trial waits breathlessly for the answer of Yeshua. The Redeemer opened his mouth and he said, Thou hast said it. This phrase, you have said it, is a customary way of saying yes or assenting in the affirmation. Yes, you have stated the truth. Scholars agree that this literally means that Jesus said to Caiaphas, you say it because I am so. The remainder of his reply under oath, Jesus quoted from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, and Psalm 110, verse 1. These two verses compiled are, And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Wow, what an amazing statement that Jesus said about himself prophetically. This man could not just have been a teacher to, say, to make such the claims as he made. Now, very interestingly, I want to take you to the Gospel of Mark and chapter 14. And we're going to look at verses 61 to 62. 
And here, the, the same account is portrayed of Jesus before the Sanhedrin and before the high priest in an even more forthright manner. Let's read the record. Jesus kept silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Wow. When Yeshua says, I am, it is a wonder that the high priest and all the elders didn't fall down flat on their faces like the people who fell down, who arrested Jesus in Gethsemane when they asked, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am. When he used the, the phrase, I am, they fell down. Because by doing so, Yeshua was identifying himself with the great I am, the God of Israel, whose name is I am that I am. Let's look again at the demand of Caiaphas, the high priest. I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God, as we have in the Matthew account. It's one thing of the high priest to ask Jesus if he is the Messiah. But note that he also demanded to know if Yeshua was also the Son of God. In both Matthew and Mark, we see this question asked. Why? Because the Jewish people uniformly expected that the Messiah would be not just a king, but that he would be the Son of God. Otherwise, why would the high priest have pressed him on that? And the scholars tell us that the Jews of those days were looking for the Messiah to be the Son of the Most High. But since they did not believe that in this particular case, Jesus was indeed the Son of God, to claim that title for him would be blasphemy. Now, such an adjuration was understood to render an answer legally necessary and legally binding. This was the law according to the Torah in Leviticus chapter 5. Turn to Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 1. And here we see that if any of the people are called to testify about something they have witnessed, but they refuse to testify, they will be held responsible and be subject to punishment. Therefore, the law made it a violation for Jesus to have concealed any part of the truth. Therefore, even though Jesus surely did not appreciate the angry manner in which the question was put to him, nevertheless, for the Lord at that moment to have remained silent would have been to deny or to cover up to conceal the glorious, wondrous truth. Tell me, Caiaphas demanded, if you are the son of the blessed. That's the way it's rendered in the Gospel of Mark. Why did Caiaphas say the son of, quote, the blessed? Well, blessed was a frequent Hebrew title for God because the Jewish people feared to utter his name, as they still do to this day. So Caiaphas used the term blessed. Today, frequently, you hear Orthodox Jewish people referring to God as Hashem, meaning the name, or some other title 
to avoid being guilty of speaking the divine name in vain. In Mark chapter 14, verse 61, as we've already read, amazingly, Jesus said with a very forthright answer to the question, I am. I am the Messiah, in other words. I am the Son of God, in other words. At this amazing answer, if Caiaphas had truly been a man of God, he would have realized that he had just put Yeshua under a solemn oath, and he should have therefore come to his senses and rejoiced. Caiaphas should have been exceedingly glad that he was face to face with the long-awaited Messiah himself because Jesus was speaking under oath. Caiaphas should have profusely apologized at that point to Yeshua and attempted to make some sort of amends. After all, it was his great privilege during his priesthood to behold the Messiah. Instead, we're told very clearly in the Gospel accounts that Caiaphas tore his clothing just as the veil in the temple soon would be torn from top to bottom. And tragically, he charged Jesus with blasphemy. All of this was recorded, my dear brother and sister, for our edification. And also it was recorded on behalf of the Jewish nation for the time yet to come when Israel is brought to her knees in repentance. Isn't it wonderful that the testimony of Yeshua under oath was put on record and preserved in the archives of the temple. And then when the temple and the Sanhedrin were destroyed and dispersed, the archives continued in the new covenant, in the word of God for all time. So history and the gospels record that Jesus publicly, in public, claimed under oath that he was and is Messiah, son of the living God. And he will return on the clouds with great glory. Not one of his words, I can assure you, will fall to the ground. Now Jesus knew fully well that the high priest and the Sanhedrin planned to condemn him. In the past, I have pondered why our Lord remained silent in front of Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin and and then why he spoke up. Because later, that fateful same morning when he was sent by the Roman governor Pontius Pilate to be questioned by the wicked King Herod, Jesus remained silent the whole time. He never tossed a single pearl before Herod, whom Jesus called a fox. Yeshua, with great dignity and solemnity, remained totally silent before Herod. He didn't waste his breath in front of Herod, who was a reprobate. And rather, Yeshua silently trusted his vindication to his Father in heaven. Although Jesus didn't entertain Herod with any miracles, and he certainly did not testify of himself before Herod. However, I have progressively discovered the reasons why Yeshua was compelled to give an answer, whether he was the Son of God to the national religious leaders. And I have discovered that there are at least four reasons why under oath Jesus said exactly who he is. First of all, I believe Yeshua was compelled to speak up and to give an answer 
because the high priest Caiaphas had adjured him to speak in the name of God. So Yeshua responded, first of all, I believe, simply out of reverence for the name of God his Father. He responded because he had been put under oath in the name of his Father. Secondly, if Jesus had remained silent on Judgment Day, I want you to think about this, his accusers could say, well, he never really did tell us who he was, and even though we officially asked him in the name of God, he remained silent. They could argue that. If he had told us who he was, we surely would have believed in him. But as we all know from the record in the Gospels, Jesus did plainly tell them who he was and is. And so they will be without excuse on Judgment Day, and God will be perfectly just to condemn them. This shows that God is just in all of his judgments. A third reason why Jesus spoke up at his trial, I believe Jesus' testimony is a precious gift to humanity. His sworn testimony is a luminous proof of his divinity. The high priest adjured him by the living God to tell the truth. And whoever says that Jesus is merely a teacher or a great moral man has to come to terms with the fact that Jesus claimed to be more than a teacher. Under oath, he, he made this claim to be the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And you can't be just a teacher if you claim to be the Son of God who will come with great power on the clouds. Common sense must acknowledge this. As if his signs and miracles were not enough, we have his own word on a solemn oath that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior, and he is the very Son of the Living God. Isn't this reassuring? Thank you, Lord Yeshua, for testifying on oath as to who exactly you are. And finally, I think a fourth reason why Yeshua's faithful testimony and witness had to be put on record in advance of the coming national repentance of the nation of Israel. Isn't that exciting? It's going to be there on record for them to see. Someday soon, the Israelis will read with fear and trembling the Lord's plain testimony under oath preserved in the new covenant, the Brit Hadashah, and they will repent and more nationally for 30 days for having rejected him in such an outrageous, unjust manner before the national religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. Glory! Isn't it amazing that in our lifetime, I believe, the Sanhedrin, which has been reconstituted once again after centuries of being disbanded as the Jewish people were wandering in the exile, all of this has come to pass again. So we have to ask the question, since Israel is being set up for her national salvation, has God rejected Israel? The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 11, heaven forbid, God has not rejected them. Paul says they will be reinstated. Do not be ignorant of this mystery, brethren, he says in Romans chapter 11, that a hardening and insensibility has temporarily befallen Israel 
forever? No, he said, until the full number of the Gentiles are brought into the kingdom of God. And then when the full number of Gentiles has been saved, then all of Israel shall be saved. Hallelujah. What a vindication that will be when the Jews as a nation examine the wounds of Yeshua and cry bitterly. They will say, we missed our time of visitation, but now they will say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we say, just as the book of Revelation says, Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. In the Gospels, we have seen Jesus condemned before a tribunal as a criminal. But in the book of Revelation, he's crowned with many crowns. In the Gospels, we see his enemies rejecting him and taunting him. In the book of Revelation, they appeal to him for mercy. In the Gospels, we see him as he was. In the book of Revelation, we see him as he is and how he will be when he returns in the clouds with great glory. A recent poll showed that most people want to go to heaven, but very few are sure that they're actually going there. However, the Gospel of John testifies that these things, these things that I've just been speaking to you about, concerning Jesus and our salvation, were recorded, they were written down by faithful men so that we may know that we have eternal life. Hallelujah, I know my Redeemer lives. But perhaps you're not sure, but let's take time together right now for you to get sure. Perhaps you were even born into another religion. That's okay. Jesus will receive you just as you are. Perhaps you're the member of some established state church. Perhaps you were christened as an infant, baptized, dedicated to God by your parents as a child, but you now still are not sure if you are a believer. In the news, a gunman pulled a gun on a newlywed couple and the husband rushed between his bride and the gunman and the husband were shot but the bride's life was saved. Do you know that's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ? He rushed in and he was killed to save his bride. Who's his bride? That's you and me. That's anyone that believes in him. You may have wounds. You may have hurts, pressures, secret sins. But Messiah Yeshua can touch you. You say, well, Christine, what do I have to do? The Bible says that, first of all, you must say to God that you're sorry that you sinned and you're willing to repent. That means you're willing to turn around. That means you're willing to change your life. Do it openly. Every person that Yeshua called, and he called many disciples, he called them openly and publicly. So you can receive him right now in your living room, uh, sitting at your desk, watching your computer, wherever you're watching this program. But the point is, you should testify. You should tell somebody. You should be open about it. You can email me, for an example, at info at exploits.tv. I would love to hear from you. 
You may even be serving God in the ministry or in some other religion. You think you're serving God. That doesn't matter. You can come to the Lord Jesus right now. Make a commitment to him. I want you to know that the time is quickly approaching when Messiah Yeshua will be revealed to this nation, Israel. Already there are many secret believers. Now, we are teaching the Arab people to love their neighbors and the Jews to get along with the Arabs. And we are continuing to disciple Arabs who desire to bring a revelation of Yeshua, not only to Israel, but to the world. I want to tell you about one recently. How wonderful that a young man named Naim, a former Muslim, uh, has come to the Lord and he recently was in one of our meetings. He works as a cleaner in a synagogue associated with the famous Rabbi Kaduri. In his wallet, Naim carries a photo of Kaduri. The revered rabbi actually wrote down Messiah's name on a small piece of paper, which was sealed until Kaduri's death last year. The note revealed what many have known for centuries. When the note was opened, it revealed that Yahushua, which is a Hebrew form of Jesus, is Messiah. Rabbi Kaduri lived to the venerable age of 108 years old. And he is reported to have experienced many dreams of Messiah. And he prophesied that Messiah will be revealed after the death of former Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, who has been lingering in a coma. How long after the death of Sharon, the rabbi did not predict. As we anointed Naim with oil, he received a measure of healing, hallelujah, from a congenital birth defect. Naim desires to minister to Jewish souls, and his Arab Christian wife is equally fervent. These are just some of the joys and surprises of serving the Lord in Jerusalem. We want you to look at Yeshua's death upon the cross. We want you to think about how under oath, as I've showed you in this program, that he declared himself to be the Messiah and the Son of God. If you're from any other background, it doesn't make any difference. Perhaps you're from a Catholic background or a Protestant background. There's one thing that all of these streams of Christianity have in common, and that is the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's by the cross and by the blood of the cross that you and I have been saved and have been set free. So if you have come to a saving knowledge of Messiah through this program, I want you to let me know by contacting me at our email, info at exploits.tv. We also publish a monthly newsletter, and we have a website with articles and teachings and videos. That's www.exploits.tv. Visit those and let us hear from you. Until next time, I'm Christine Dark saying Shalom, Shalom from Jerusalem.